Welcome to Integrative Conversations, hosted by the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. The Academy expands knowledge to professionals in the mental health community and beyond, using a conscious, experiential, and evidence-based format. Our mission is to deliver comprehensive health and wellness to all by empowering personal and professional growth and confidence. To learn more, visit us at www.academyimh.com. This podcast is intended to provide information as a resource and is not a substitute for mental health treatment, medical advice, or professional training, and the statements and views shared by the guest are their own. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hello, I'm Juniper Owens, Director of the Academy of Integrative Mental Health, and your host for today's conversation with Nicole Sartini, our other co-founder for the Academy and our shared clinical practice, Bridge Counseling and Wellness in Louisville, Kentucky. Today, Nicole shares a bit about her path as a mental health professional, integrative group practice owner, and her philosophy supporting mind, body, and soul. In this conversation, Nicole talks about self-knowledge and growth from a spiritually embodied perspective. A few notes about this episode. Because Nicole and I are business partners, close friends, and passionate conversationalists, we ended up recording for quite a long time. I had to heavily edit this conversation, so please be aware that there are some rough and awkward transitions at time because I am by no means a professional editor, but I tried my best to cut and paste to include the highlights of our conversation for you today. So Nicole explored topics such as knowing and trusting yourself by listening to the deeper eye, operating from your personal truth, embodied action to align with your beliefs, embracing the whole self while serving the greater good, surrendering as practice, and at the end of the episode, Nicole guides us through an embodiment practice that you can follow along with. So be sure to find a space to tune in and practice along with us. But before we get started, I would love to humbly ask you to share, like, subscribe, all those things to our podcast on the platform that you listen to uh, most. If you find value in these conversations, it's a lot of work, it's a labor of love, and we would love to make sure that these resources are accessible to as many people as possible. So if you could do that, that would be great. And now let's, uh, let's just officially meet Nicole. Nicole, I'm so glad you're here. Oh my goodness. I am really in complete awe of what you've done with this project and all the amazing people that you've been able to bring on and the kind of questions that you've been wise enough to ask on behalf of both of us representing this, this company. And I am so honored to be sitting with you and talking with you today. And um, we have many times. Yes, we have. We just <laughs> mentioned this. a decade now, but never with a recording device. <laughs> yeah, as we mentioned, so this is like really special. And um, I'm just really glad that you're here and that um, our listeners get to meet you and learn more about you and what led you to where you are right now and how we started our businesses in the integrative mental health field and all of that good stuff. But first, I would love to hear more about your path in becoming a mental health professional, as well as what type of roles that you have served in the field and just a bit about what it took for you to get where you are today. Hmm. 
Well, I think the most important thing to share first before we go into any sort of labels um, is that uh, I identify primarily as a being of love. And that is whatever hat I'm wearing, my priority in that particular role. Um, And I uh, am also... (laughs) Uh, someone um, who was the co-founder for a beautiful practice in Louisville, Kentucky called uh, Bridge Counseling and Wellness, along with you. Um, Backtracking a few years before that was started, um, I entered the mental health field. I decided to enter the mental health field in my own therapist's office. So in therapy, my therapist and I discovered that I actually might have uh, some ability to like process emotion and work through things in a way that could also be helpful for others to learn. And that maybe that was a skill I can work on developing a little bit and uh, take some of the tragedy and some of the difficulties that so many of us have experienced um, throughout our lives uh, and find a way to turn my healing into something beautiful from that. And um, that, that has a ripple effect that actually helps other people. And to me, that's like such an incredible opportunity and honor to like, if you happen to have, if that happens to be the unique thing that you're possibly gifted with to have an opportunity to do something that you are constantly learning through and is also serving another person at the same time. It's a beautiful experience. I'm so honored. Um, I started out uh, working at a place called St. Joe's Children's Home as a non-professional though, um, pretty much before I knew any of that and really enjoyed the process of um, helping people with resilience and working through their challenges. Um, And of course, you know, specifically children who experienced violence or difficulty or challenging environments when they were growing up, because of course I had experience with that. And sometimes when we have experience with something, it helps us understand it on a different, you know, level. And, and so many have had, but then if you can also relay that or, or be able to be a listener or a safe space or a nurturing person, then like, you know, you can grow that. And the, I learned so much through working with those kids. It was amazing. There's um, one that I still am in touch with after all these years, um, which is incredible. Uh, but Yes. After that, moved on, did uh, went through school, got the degrees, um, started in community mental health, working um, with folks who were dealing with poverty on top of whatever mental health struggles they were working through. Um, did a stand in of in-home therapy, community-based work, going into the homes, going into the schools, working several hours a week with the same family, um, providing more of a wraparound kind of model um, for the folks who were kind of struggling on multiple layers. Um, you know, socioeconomically as well. And um, after doing that for a while, decided that um, I actually worked, I was so immersed in the work and I loved it so much that um, it made sense for me to kind of start working kind of for myself because I was hustling, you know, and, and, and because I was so driven and passionate about it, that like, it seemed like it made sense to just go ahead and like try proper practice, did that, joined a group called the mindful contemporaries where I met you, where I met Juniper. And there um, we really realized that we had a lot of ways that we had moved through our own mental health struggles that overlapped and were similar and how 
you know, it wasn't a very common approach at the time that mental health professionals discuss things like how exercise or nutrition might be affecting how people are feeling. And we decided that we wanted to start an, in a, a, a mental health center that had a little bit of a twist, a little bit something different to it, um, specifically that it incorporated free yoga, meditation groups, nutritional kind of talk. And then we ended up branching out farther than that, of course, eventually with things like forest bathing and Chin Yoku, uh, that would kind of have more of a whole self offering. And we invested a lot of time and energy and effort into um, creating a practice that uh, was able to achieve that. And now we have five locations throughout Louisville. And um, we also have the Academy of Integrated Mental Health, where we are now able to train other mental health professionals in some of the things that we had to work so hard to gather research on because it wasn't out there when we started. It was still new. It was still very like progressive. And, and we are so grateful to see that like that idea has become norm- like more normalized. And it requires people to take le- the lead. Sometimes, you know, it requires that and you don't have to have, especially if you don't have to worry about having the credit for it and you can still take the lead and you know that there's an effort, there place where you can raise the bar on how something's done or at least offer an alternative, something that's like, could be, you know, cause not everybody needs the same medicine per se, but this is a, an alternative that could be available that could help some people. I think that was really cool that we were able to do that and that we're still able to do that. And then the clinicians that we've drawn to the team are really amazing. And there, and it's such an honor to get to work in, group, in a group that's so, um, so talented and so heartfelt. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you kind of nailed the experience right now. You had talked about kind of, you know, going in into the private practice realm and what we had discovered is that there's, there's things that we were doing that we weren't getting support for in the mainstream mental health kind of institution or school of thought. And I know that as time, that has too evolved and changed and grown and really excited to hear more about that in your personal practice um, and your professional practice. Because something that is really important to us, you know, at the Academy is both the personal and professional, they're, they're, they're intertwined, they cannot be separated. So I'm really excited to dive in with that, dive into that with you. And so kind of, yeah, in that realm, in that realm, um, can you give us kind of, and I know this is really hard to do as a clinician, this is so, this is the, to me, one of the hardest questions, but if you could try to um, share now, what is your approach to therapy? What is kind of your outlook or how are you doing therapy that might be a little differently than when we first started? I love that you're pointing out the idea that both professionally and personally, we are always evolving because there's, it requires in a way, this idea of surrendering to the fact that we haven't reached our landing point. We think we know what we want to do, how we want to do, you know, we think we know those things. Um, it, it, at least when, when I was younger, I thought, <laughs> I knew those things like, okay, now this is me. Uh, but what you continue to see as you age and move through these things, like that we're always evolving in every way. So um, when we speak, it requires us to accept that the words 
they might have different meaning down the road or they might not be the right, the right quote unquote words anymore. The medicine that we use, like the exercising that we needed to do at one point actually might be put on the back burner for something else that becomes as we evolve another aspect of something that's helpful to us, but it's still an integrative concept. It's still an integrative concept because inherently when we're saying integrative, we're, we're inviting that through bringing multiple ways of looking at something together. Of course, we can't fit every single thing that could be fitting and helpful in the three core, you know, training. Hey, I'm going to interrupt really quickly just to remind our listeners what Nicole is referencing to, and that is the three core integrative certification course that we have developed over here at the Academy of Integrative Mental Health. And it is a training that is based on our evidence-based model of integrative mental health. It's geared towards master's level clinicians and is approved for 15 continuing education hours for multiple licenses in many states. You can check out our website for more, which is linked in the show notes. Also, it is www.academyimh.com. Not only does this course offer extensive theory, research, evidence, and also inform, um, case studies from our own clinical practice of using this model for many years, uh, and you can leave this course feeling confident in these modalities with the tools you need to incorporate them into your own practice. We offer downloadable client handouts and worksheets. We have a comprehensive self-growth workbook, an integrative mental health professional credentials, IMHP, and guided practices for both client and clinician after every module. Okay, now that you know more about 3CI, back to our conversation with Nicole. For instance, it's we fit a lot in, but you know, but the way that it's evolved for me um, has become a radical commitment to looking at myself neutrally um, from a place that's like beyond just my thoughts or just my emotions that, that like I can see those things from a place that's uh, like a little deeper um, within me that doesn't have so many opinions about right, wrong, good, bad, so that I can actually see myself in my entirety. Because see, like, that's something that keeps people stuck sometimes is that it's really hard to see your whole self. It's really hard to see like parts about yourself that you might not like, or parts of yourself that are easily triggered and why they might be and having to dig into that. Like that's really hard to do if you're completely in your thoughts and your emotions with it, even though those have insight too. thoughts that come up matter, the emotions we're having, their messengers, like that's all important too. It's just that sometimes that I've learned that for me, I've got to get to a place like a little bit deeper than that. Um, so that I can look at them clearly without judging so much and, um, learn the most from it. And it also has freed me from this idea that, uh, of the resistance to the, of the, whatever it is I'm feeling like I'm not free from it completely. It's, I, we go in and out of these States, you know, but I've, it's become easier for me to feel free from the extra layer of the, the self-judgment or the self-criticism because like my lens is less sharp <laughs> my, my, or my lens is, yeah, it's softer. Yeah. And, yeah. I like that description. Yeah. And I think part of the way that like I, the particular way I got to that place was through um, 
sitting in front of my altar and transforming my meditation practice from just a meditation practice um, of the breath, which I have done for many years and transform it into something to like imagine myself just remaining open to whatever it is that would help allow me to serve the greater good and bring delight to my own mind, body, and soul. And every day I just say, I'm open to what is that? What, what is that? And like, I just try to get my mind and my thoughts out of the way. And I just listen and like, imagine myself being like open to whatever that is. And I'm just learning how to align with that more frequently. And it's been pretty transformative for me. Uh, I want to kind of um, talk a little bit about um, some of the core ideas that are showing up for you and, and your work. And I know that from what we've talked about, and what you've described to me, aligning with personal truth and attuning with deep, the deepest self or a deeper self is um, something you've been working with a lot. And I wanted to share something that you wrote on your Instagram page, which is uh, at the Edenside Sanctuary. Okay, so you wrote, in this moment, I have embraced a deeper sense of I, that's in quotation marks. From this inner being, physical form is secondary, a tool for the divine to express itself through me, also in quotation marks, a means for evolving my soul through the heartbreak and joy of human living, a self to carry through the world and loving presence with compassion for the complexity of us all. And I love that quote. And you have a ton of different, really nice writings on there. But I really want to know more about this deeper self that you're talking about and, and how it, it shows up for you as you dive more in, mm -hmm. deeper in. Thank you. Yes. Well, you talked about what was important uh, to me first. So I want to just make one comment about this. Equality is very important to me in a sense of like... Um, camaraderie in any type of relationship I share. So in this moment, when I'm speaking on a platform, I want to remind everybody that your path is always your path and you are going to, everybody's path looks a little bit different. And even I question myself and my ideas. So I think it's important that we don't turn all our power over to anybody who has a, a voice, um, but also be open to receiving things that could be valuable from other people who maybe have some experience with it. So um, I just want to say that first, the deeper sense of I was found for me after experiencing what felt like a great tragedy. Um, in losing a relationship that was very important to me and understanding that the relationship that I thought I shared wasn't exactly, you know, what was reality or we shared different, we should say that we had different realities about what that relationship was. And somehow I ended up just realizing that there was nothing that I controlled other than the intention with which I was living and the responsibility for finding my way to heal through 
something that to me felt really heartbreaking. And I had to let go of understanding lots of things that were outside of that realm because like I had to go with, I had to go deeper, deeper, deeper in until like, okay, this here, this is what I can work with. And it was a sense of like a little bud of like peace that I was going to learn how to like kind of flame back with the understanding that by doing that, I was going to learn a lot through the process. I was going to study myself actually as a clinician through the process. And I was going to bring it back and I was going to share that with other people too. Um, And that felt to me in that moment, like the only thing that was actually like true because nothing else outside of that was making sense at the time. There were some things making sense. I can speak a little bit. (laughs) I can exaggerate sometimes, Uh, but like, you know, it it just was, it it was okay. What's at the center of me that let's just focus on that. Start there, start there. And so like, I I started like building that. And then through the process, I, I learned things like, oh, you really have to, you can't think through your emotions. This is a real embodiment practice. So when I started practicing embodying, like the idea of like um, letting go of the story, this is what we do with our, our clients, right? Like, well, you talk about like, okay, can you let go of the story and just feel the emotion? Where's the emotion in your body and imagine it digesting and releasing, right? But you got to be with it first. What do you know? How do you know what you're trying to accept if you can't be with it first and look at it and see it? And so like, just like the idea of like aligning with truth was like, it meant like really learning how to love myself and my entirety and to like really just like accept and let go of the judgment that I put on myself over all these years for any mistake I'd ever made. Like, like I, so many of us do that. So many of our clients do that. But um, I realized that at my deepest truth, I was actually a little bit more compassionate than that. And that I deserve that same compassion that I was like offering to other people but that I didn't want to let go of offering that to other people. And I, and I also noticed, I know I'm going on a bit. <laughs> I also noticed that a lot of the books I was reading, um, which were very helpful in, in like me having gotten out of the situation that I was in, which I'm not going to give tons of details about, but a situation I needed to get out of, I got out of the books that I read on this particular topic always demonize the other individual. And I just realized just like when we opened our mental health center and we're like, we need something a little different or something different. I was like, this isn't for me. I'm actually not interested in demonizing anybody. I believe that all people have that same core love sense of love of being of love underneath whatever's going on. And for me, like I needed to like, yes, draw boundaries. Yes. Get like remove myself from situations that were harmful but do I have to say that this person is like, I, I just, I didn't identify with that. And I, and I, so I started understanding like, well, what's that about? And I was like, oh shit. It's because you're literally trying to embody being, that's embodiment. The rest of this stuff's philosophy is philosophy is beautiful, but can I embody what I believe? Can I really love someone who attempted harm and caused harm? while at the same time learning different ways to love, like, you know, love isn't always pleasing the person. Love, love isn't always being nice. Sometimes love is saying no. And so I realized that I, that that doesn't have to be, they are not exclusive from one another. Like you, 
you can love someone and still be firm at the same time and protect and honor yourself. And I know that that seems like philosophically an elementary concept, but when it comes to embodiment, it's a radical concept. And I think it's an important one if we're going to at peace in a sense that's actually like actually embodying the full capacity that we you know all have. Yes, yes. And you you mentioned embodiment and what does that mean if there's anyone listening or even if you do have an idea of embodiment, what how does it work in actual practice at least for yours and maybe your clients? When we many of us have fallen into traps historically at times where we go, oh, I need to work on this aspect of something. So let me read a book about it. Oh, I read a book about it today. Check. And like, well, I worked on that, which is true in a way, because you are learning things from books and books are amazing. I've learned so many wonderful things from books, but they're only effective if you literally take them into your action. So I know in embodiment and we talk about an integrative mental health in another way, and I'll get to that too, but this is another form of it. This is an expanded, like literally, literally embodying the actions of what you believe. So when people say, well, you know, this group of people say they do this, but they don't do this. It's like, okay, you know, they're wanting someone to embody what they believe. Right. So if you, for instance, if everybody who believes that that we're like, have a soul inside. Okay. So who do you want in charge, you know, in this case, if you, if you believe that, like that, and if you believe the soul is like a, you know, a loving entity, then why not like, let that learn how to speak more and lead you a little bit more. Like, why not be open to that? You know, for instance. Yeah. So it's not just taking action, but it's feeling into those parts. Um, yeah. Like literally, Literally imagining yourself as you step down the road embodied in what it is you actually believe. What's the inner world doing? Is it matching the outer world? Like, or is the outer world matching the actual inner world with your gestures, your actions, your words? Like, are they being reflected outward or not? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. when you were talking about your experience of, sinking into those deeper selves. And you said at the core uh, is a being of love. And I'm curious, A, does everyone have that at their core? Um, or do people find different things as they they sink into their deeper self? I think that that has to be an individually answered situation. I, I think it would be irresponsible of me to speak as if I know that. <laughs> um What I can say is, in my experience, I have interacted with a lot of people who, despite words not being maybe adequate, like we're we're relating to each other as best we can with it, and they kind of share a similar kind of feeling underneath. Like, it's almost like if you don't have a problem with something, Like, if you don't have a problem with the fact that you're right and wrong and things are good and bad sometimes and that life has ups and downs, there's a sense of peace that you have. It's like you have a problem with it, but you only have a problem with it to a certain layer. Then below that, you're like, eh, I can move through anything. This is an honor to be here on this planet. 
I'm going to like, <laughs> you know, like, I think that's like the overlap that people say they experience. And, and, and I don't know if peace or love or what is actually the actual word for it, you know? And I don't know if that's experience for everybody. And I'm open to continuing learn, to learn more, even myself, but that's what it feels like. Absolutely. And uh, that makes a lot of sense when you describe it that way. There's words, but there's something underneath the words. And that's kind of what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. And and in that, the, some of the languaging that you've used to try to describe that is um, uh, personal truth. And I'm really curious about that because I've heard that a lot mm-hmm. from different spiritual leaders or mental health professionals or thought leaders or whatever. Um, I'm really curious of what that means to you and how does, does one a find it if they don't know and B um, live into it if they do know. Yeah. So I believe right now (laughs) anyway, that we all are here to learn different things and to serve the world in a different way. And I understand that's a completely spiritual take on life. And I'm just going to own that. Um, I understand that some people don't see the world spiritually and probably it'll be maybe in some ways hard to relate to this, but I will relate it as best I can. Um, When we are able to look inward without the distraction of all like the, the judgment and the right, wrong and the label and, Um, I think we can just hear more clearly, like, or or see more clearly ourselves, like, because ourselves are more than just that spirit, because we actually are bodies too. We actually are personalities too. We have, that's how we like relay this to the world. Right. And, And we can identify, well, what like characteristic or ability might this spirit like feel kind of pulled or delighted to bring to the world? You know, like what, what might that be without trying to make logic sense of it all the time? Just like, like listening to it. And and, and maybe it's like, just to be joyful. Maybe it's just to learn how to use your voice. Maybe it's to learn how to forgive. Maybe it's to learn how to like, um, make mistakes and how to own it when you do. Maybe it's, I don't know what. It could be, or maybe it's a lot of those things, but I think it's easier to hear when we let the judgment and all the excess noise and like in resistance, like when we let those things out of the way so that we can actually enter and do the work with what it is that we feel called to like bring forth. And then it can look different for everybody, but that we're not going to be as content with our life probably. And we're not going to make as large of an impact if we're not aligned with that truth. And this is why whatever that truth is like there's for lack of a better word, a a lower, um, a lower expression and a higher expression of that. So either you're like expressing it like in a less useful way, a less like uh, peaceful internally way, or you're like, you're expressing the same thing, but you're expressing it like with a sense of empowerment a sense of joy and and actually kind of causing a ripple effect in your own unique way that no one else can do just like you. I love that. I'm going to tell you the image that was conjured in my mind when you were talking and it was, you're in, I'm in this like really crowded 
room with lots of noises and planes and people talking and all the stuff is going on and I can't tell what I'm saying. I can't hear myself speak because there's so much other noise and um, chaos happening around. And what I'm hearing is, is that by kind of noticing what the chaos noise is and what in, in turning the volume down a little on that, then you can turn the volume up on your own voice and be like, Oh, this is what I'm trying to say. That's kind of what I heard you doing. And so uh, like, I think that that's sometimes what we're doing, at least clinically, what I like to work with is what are the other voices? So you said rights and wrongs, shoulds, sometimes it's trauma responses that, that sometimes, you know, hijack your nervous system and your brain patterns. And then you don't know what you anymore because you've been hijacked. So there's so many things that can represent those loud voices. How do you see that? The other voices, the other sounds, the other ones, I would think that that would probably mostly relate to what Eckhart Tolle calls our pain bodies. So the things that we hear the loudest are the areas where things would hurt us the most, right? So the same, somebody could say something to me that doesn't like hit my pain body and say the same thing to you where it does hit your pain body. Cause it's a particular thing that you experience that's like sensitive for you or that you're here to like learn or move through. And it could feel totally different. It could bother one of us and not the other or whatnot. So I think that sometimes noise can be actually the opposite. It can be encouraging. It can be beautiful too. Um, it's, it's not like the noise. Sometimes it's, it's valuable feedback, you know, cause we learn from the outside world also. So you know, but it's just important that we also know how to accept that other people's ideas of who we are, of how the world works, societal constructs, um, cultural constructs, family of origin constructs that we thought were how life had to actually always be. It just was this way. I am the person that takes care of my whole family. I am the, you know, that's just how it is. Um, that's like a construct that actually is sort of an illusion when you accept that, oh, I'm actually free to break down anything that I didn't think up myself, should I want to. I'm here to learn and do all that, but also I can like kind of look at and say, does that make sense to me or not? What do I want to build? Maybe I take a couple bricks from that pile, a couple bricks from this pile, but I also got some stuff inside that I'm going to put in that like art piece that, that I'm bringing to the world. Mm-hmm. What are some of the strategies or practices that you used or that you've seen helpful in other people in, you said something about really tuning in and building that muscle of listening within and whatever else is coming through? One thing I explored was this idea of the inner masculine and inner feminine. And what does a higher expression of the quote unquote masculine energy hold. And one thing that, and was there anything within myself that I could like learn how to build and grow and merge within what are the things that exist within me? And for that particular practice, what came up for me was this idea of being able to be the blank slate that can hold anything, the energy of holding, the energy of being able to encompass in a, in a strong way. Like that was what I was associating with that part. So I, I worked to cultivate that within myself through literally visualizing <laughs> being at the end of my life and being told that the one thing I could do for the world was to just 
hold a blank slate. This was an exercise that I got from, I believe it was um, Sabrina Lynn with rewilding. Uh, rewilding, I can't remember. Re, uh, rewilding with Sabrina Lynn. I think this was an exercise I heard about from her. And it was really, really powerful. Because I also then looked at the feminine qualities and, and had a new appreciation for like, we can, in this, not we as in women in the physical realm, but this idea of someone embodied in the feminine internally, like we can love in the most intense ways we can love so incredibly intensely, but there needs to be something there to hold that. Right. It it doesn't, it, it, and if you can build that within yourself, then you really found like this beautiful, sweet spot of being able to access all of your emotions and to contain them in a way uh, that you can express them in in a balanced way that like actually feels good to you and to the people that you're around. Yeah. Yeah. I love that practice. And I've, I, you know, I've, I've seen similar practices and it's almost like, um, there's probably aspects of like shadow work. And when you're embracing the whole, like that sometimes comes up and there's something else that you've mentioned and you might want to talk about that, but there's something else you've mentioned. And I kind of want to make sure that we cover that before we move to the practice portion of the podcast. But you mentioned, um, you mentioned ideas in that of surrendering. Because it sounds like in order to hear what is and be with what is, you might have to let go of some other stuff. Uh, Maybe that's just what I'm hearing from you. So I'd love to get um, a sense of how surrendering and that could be letting go of rights or wrongs or whatever plays into or is a part of this practice or journey for you. Well, I almost feel like it's part of all of it. Because even with what I was just talking about with the practice of sacred union, you learn, uh, like my goal was to learn, well, what, what is that? What does that mean? What would a balance look like? But that doesn't mean that I'm going to live as a balance all the time or that that isn't going to shift back and forth and like, uh, in it, or that it should be balanced all the time. Sometimes there really are moments where you need to step into your inner King. Right. And sometimes there's moments where you want to like just surrender to the beauty or sensuality around you and step into that sense of, oh, just feeling life at every angle. And like all of those have value, but surrendering to your ability to trust your inner knowing to guide you, that you don't have to hold on as intensely as it might have felt before you would reach that spot where you had like, cause it hadn't always felt safe for most of us, especially anybody who's experienced trauma and it actually isn't always safe. That's the thing. Um, safe by the traditional terms because bad things, they do happen. So we can't be safe from that, but can we trust the experience of human life and our inner knowing to move through whatever we can't control anyway. Cause no matter if we, if we're trying to brace ourselves for it, we still can't control it. So like, can we trust ourselves to surrender to the fact that we will always guide ourselves through our inner knowing will bring us through if we're able to listen and stay on the path. Um, well, and, and even if we vary off the path to like find our way back to it and have a commitment to that. Um, and 
accept ourselves through all of those stages and accept other people through all those stages. Well, and accept people doesn't necessarily mean that you don't, you know, draw boundaries where necessary, things like that. I don't want to get it wrong, but just, you know, accept that everybody's on different parts of their own unique journeys. And Yes. Um, yes, they are. And I, I think talking, and I hear this a lot uh, with clients specifically about the ideas of surrendering, releasing, letting go. It is terrifying because mm-hmm. there is an idea that if they let go or surrender or maybe like loosen the grip just a little, that all hell could break loose. But what you and I have discovered of this last year, all hell will break loose no matter how tightly you are holding on to anything. And so it's almost kind of a mute point, but like I do find that there's a lot of resistance and there's so much fear and it makes sense because there's a paradoxical nature to letting go right? It's a paradox because you're biologically wired for survival and to try to control and manipulate situations so you can survive, right? But the irony is, is that a lot of those factors you can't do one thing about, right? So I'm curious of some of the maybe um, barriers or resistance. I don't know if I like the word resistance. I feel like that's used clinically inappropriately, but like um, maybe the idea of being afraid to let go. I think that's huge. I don't think that it's a concept that we can ever like put on anyone. I think that's a concept that a person finds themselves in, in a moment of crisis. Yeah. And sometimes as clinicians, we have an opportunity to meet people in that moment of crisis. So sharing the possibility and priming someone's brain for the possibility that there is a state of inner knowing or a sense of peace that is underneath the turbulence that you will get to if you stay committed to it is helping someone know what is possible. And if someone doesn't know maybe what's possible, their brain isn't primed to see opportunities to like reach that. So of course it's hard and we can't force anyone into it. But when we have the opportunity to meet someone in a point of crisis where they may be more likely to enter that, that sense of surrender because wow, everything's falling apart. Let me just stay here for a minute because everything's falling apart. There's nothing to hold up. It's all falling apart. Let me stay here for a bit. And let me, as I think you said once, go into the murky waters and get my treasure and understand, yes, I am in the murky waters. Right now I'm in the murky waters, but I heard this person and this person, I read this in this book, that they went into the murky water and they came out with some treasure. And maybe, just maybe, that's a possibility for me too. I think that's what we can offer as clinicians. I love that. Because I used to use this metaphor, and I don't know if I'm going to use it anymore, but I used to use this metaphor, or it's kind of a parable, the tale of two arrows. I'm sure you've heard of it, where the idea, and I think it's a Buddhist parable, but I'm not sure. But the idea is that you are hit with the initial arrow, and that's the arrow of suffering. You lose your house, you lose a person, uh, something happens and you're hit with that arrow. Just And then you 
basically hit yourself with another arrow, and that's resistance to the suffering. And so here you are now dealing with two arrows. <laughs> and I don't know why that's the parable used, because it seems, but maybe it's because it feels that way. It feels like you are being struck through the heart sometimes. What do you think about that? I completely understand what you're saying. And I think it is a complimentary metaphor. The one that I've used is just that suffering is already like pain or the events of life are already like so heavy. Then when we put the extra weight of resistance on it, uh, you're just, you're just carrying more. And it's, so it's the same kind of message that we were both using apparently and with our clinic, with our clients. Yeah. So that's why that's, that's literally what we're hoping to surrender ourselves from like, or you could even look at it like instead of carrying weight at all, the, the weight is coming off the back and it's being put on the ground and you're climbing over it like it's a mountain now. And you're going to come over it instead of like this thing you're carrying and you're like, it's going to be attached to your back forever. Like it, it's still a mountain and maybe you get turned back around and have to like find a new way around the mountain or whatever it is. Um, but every time you do, ideally we're at a spot where we're learning a different, more evolved lesson from that experience, same experience. that still maybe for our whole lives triggers us at points, but as time moves on, does what we learn, can we just continue squeezing what we can from the learning experience of that same thing? If that's how it goes, like maybe there's something to that too. Right. And, and your multiple mountain crossings and murky water swims, how would you say this path, um, where, where are you landing with it now, both personally and professionally? And like, what's different in your life? Now, I know you really well, and I see huge differences. There's core things that I've always seen that maybe you weren't seeing. And I think that's typical. And you mentioned that earlier. Sometimes we can see people a little differently than they see themselves based on our lens. So, um, but I've noticed like huge shifts and just even like the energy, the way you carry your body, how you see the world. So I'm curious from your perspective, yeah, where do you find yourself now with this work and what's important to you in it? If that makes any sense. <laughs> I ask does, really long you. questions. Thank you so much. Well, I give really long answers. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel inside my body like the literal feeling or the sensations are completely different. They feel really different. And I feel like my, my literal, the sensation or like that vibrating feeling inside your body that, you know, you sometimes get like the presence of yourself and your own feet and your own legs. I feel that a lot more, uh, literally physically. I do feel that a lot more. Um, every time I start falling which it still happens because it happens to all of us. It's so human. That's one thing we have to be very careful about. Remember, even somebody who like, again, is holding the mic, just remember that we're all still learning. It still happens where you fall out of these spots, but like, it feels a lot slower. Like the chatter isn't like so incessant, but what isn't the things that are there is like really positive, I guess, or, or like really encouraging you know, for the most part in like seeing pretty much most things around me as like a representation of honestly, like I call it divine beloved, but 
you, some people say God or just like, I just, everything around me is like just beautiful for the most part. And I'm learning that I, certain things that I used to think I couldn't do, like, remember how I used to struggle with if I didn't get very good sleep and I would be so anxious all day because I had some, some hangups about what that meant, like, and, and some healing about even things that happened when I hadn't slept. And now when it happens, like it just doesn't bring up the same thing. So like, there's some things that you just shed. Um, and then it reveals sometimes new things that you didn't even know. You're like, okay, all right. Okay. But, but when you're working on something or exploring something in yourself, the judgment just is for the most part, really just faded away. It's like a, and that's really been a good, a nice feeling for me. And I have cried and it felt deep, deep pain, but like, I just was allowed to be there in it without judging it. And like, that was cool. You know, like, and I still, you know, it's like, again, this is, I can't stress this enough. It doesn't mean someone's broken because you're having difficult time. Like it's, that's not, that's, that's the, the workout equipment on this spiritual journey is those are those challenges. So just let's keep welcoming them the best we can, you know, with open arms and like love and intending to ourselves through them to the best of our ability and letting go and releasing of that second arrow. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing a lot of. And that is the work and it's the practice. It never ends because new and amazing, wonderful challenges come our way and not just challenges, but also, like you said, beauty and love and different experiences that like literally change the way that your cells operate. Moving the energy. Tell me how that's a practice that's been helpful for you recently, this particular well, time. When it comes to embodiment, I started taking that really seriously thinking about, Oh, I make sure every day that I, most days I, I like to wear makeup, um, you know, to each their own, but I do like to wear it. Sometimes I'll put that on, I'll pick out an outfit. I'll, you know, take it. Yeah. So I'm going to make sure that I'm giving my, my body the same, it's embody the value of actually leading with spirit, which is a value that I carry. I'm going to make sure I'm tending to that. And so, um, through various experiences, kind of piecing together, like, you know, we always are learning from others, like we said, but, but pairing it with what's coming up internally. Um, I just thought the idea of releasing every day with intention, like anything that's like, could be a block or anything that's meant to be let go of today. Help me please. And I say the words, please show me the way uh, to release those things now. And then I do the releasing exercise and, and I'm feeling it and actually touching it. And I'm imagining it coming out of my body. So it's like using all of the aspect of consciousness rather than just the thinking mind or just the body. Um, and yeah, when I set my intentions that way, just like we've read in a lot of other books with people who set their intentions much differently, like there's the uh, miracle morning and all sorts of really cool ways to start your, your day. There's so many, but you know, for some people, maybe this will be a way that they can resonate with or, or can complement their current practices. Uh, and that's what happened, I guess, for me, because I always sit and do my 15 minute meditation too. And I have a whole process around that. But this exercise, I feel like I'm embodying, reminding myself to actually put my beliefs and my feelings and what I've learned into my physical body. And remember that my body is what's carrying these around. The body is the messenger of these things that I 
I know from a deeper level. It requires my physical body to relay them if I'm actually going to be connecting and sharing with others as a clinician or otherwise. So absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And it does, I mean, it, you're, it, again, I've, you know how sometimes I think of like images when you're talking and the image that came to me of that one is like, okay, we have these thoughts and we have these ideas. And of course, you know, a safe space for me to fall into is intellect and learning. That's a little, my mind is my little safe space, but literally to talk, you have lips and a tongue and all these muscles. And like you do have your physical body literally is necessary for anything you do on the planet. So like it does make, I don't know why it feels so simple, but for some reason, when you say it that way, it's like, oh my gosh. So to not tend to that or to even notice it, I don't know how we operate. (laughs) Right. I love that. So I really appreciate, I think that's a really good time to move into a practice here because we talk about embodiment and how important that is. And so we uh, loved in the podcast with a chance for the listeners to do that. So usually just asking or reminding if you're in a place, if you're driving or something like that, maybe you pause and pick it, pick it back up when you have a moment to, um, to try this practice out. So what, what you would like to offer us today? Yes. Well, I noticed that a lot of the times um, folks will do the guided meditations. And of course, I do do those with my clients also. And I have some pretty cool ones. But I think that I can talk our listeners through something that requires them to um, stand up to do it. It's pretty easy to like follow the directions. But just so you know what I'm doing, I'm going to stand up. Okay, I'm already standing. Uh, Cause I'm at a standing desk. So I'm with you. I'm oh, doing you it are. with you. Okay. <laughs> and like, I don't know if I can aim this where you can actually see me all the way, but um, anyway. Um, okay. So this is um, an energy movement exercise. As you and I talked about this morning, um, I, uh, I told you that I spent more time getting my energy ready than I did my actual physical self. Yeah. And I was laughing about that. Um, this is one of the practices that I like do. And granted, this is not something that like we have like a lot of evidence-based like material on her say, um, but you can explore how it feels for you. And I do think actually they may have qualitative research on this at this point. Um, it seems like it's more common to use practices like this. And, but anyway, um, the first thing you do is we're going to like stand together and, We're going to go through a process of just for today, releasing whatever it is that is not going to serve ourselves in the world for today. So we're going to take our hands and like make our our hands like a gentle rake, um, a gentle rake. And we're going to start touching at the top of our heads and we're going to comb down the front body all the way down to our feet. And we're, and we're combing out any of the energy or any of the blockages or any of the things that are not going to serve us in the world today. And we're going to come all the way down to the bottom of the feet, combing, 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 and then we're going to flick our hands out and release those things. Let's do it one more time. Come to the front of the body, a gentle rake with our fingers all the way down, releasing and combing out anything in the body anything in the energy system, anything in our minds that is not going to serve us today and flicking them out. Let's do the same thing in our side bodies, combing away any sort of energy, 
or attitude that is not going to serve us today and down and we're in flipping. And now let's do the back body the same. Comb down, comb down, get those energy knots out all the way down the back. This one's a little trickier. All the way down to the feet and flick them out. And now we're going to do a little, uh, if you all know yoga with uh, Adrian, what does she call this? Opening the knocking on heaven's door is what she calls it. Yeah. Um, we're, going to our, uh, we're going to stand straight up and we're going to move, swing our arms right, left, right, left. And the idea right now is that we're opening ourselves. We're opening up our, our chakra cha channel here. Our, the, the core of ourselves, we're just opening, opening, opening to whatever, whatever the divine wants to bring our way today. And if you're not comfortable with that language, just whatever your, your personal self will be able to do to serve the world today. You want to open to that, open to that, open that column. And then we're going to take a pause here. And fan our, open, our arms open wide to gather in everything that is meant for us today. All of the love that we can bring into our hearts today. All of the sense connection to the world and presence. Let's do it again. Arms wave up. We're going to continue breathing. And whatever wants to come in today in order to honor ourselves and others, let's bring it in. Bring it into the heart. One more big time. And then pause there. And whatever the highest, most beautiful version of yourself you perceive, you're able to perceive in this moment, step into that embodiment. And let's move into the rest of our days. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for offering the opportunity to stand and move into some of these practices. Um, I noticed instead of just breathe, I know that sometimes like it takes a lot of effing work to breathe and pay attention to your breath. And I don't think that that's not that is valuable. And right there and right now, I'm able to physically feel my skin <laughs> being touched and moved. That That's pretty powerful in just a few minutes for me. Yeah, I hope that it was able to be relayed okay over the just the audio. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah, definitely. And, and people can do kind of how what feels right to them in that moment, too, if they couldn't exactly hear. But so as we close, like, uh, what kind of last, what, is there anything kind of left on your heart to share or um, um, anything to tie, tie up the conversation and really just what's on your yeah. heart as we yeah. close? Well, here's the thing. No matter if we decide that we're going to live from this quote unquote highest expression of ourselves or from this deeper eye or not, we're literally just as worthy. It's not about having to do something. It's about choosing to do it. Understanding that no one else can take responsibility for you doing it. And also that you can't take responsibility for anyone else doing it. So sometimes we love 
<laughs> our human minds love to get caught up in what other people are doing, how they should have done this. And they, that's not right. And that's, you know, and again, I think that's another arrow in a way that could get in the way of our own healing. Because in reality, you can't control other people's actions. You can control yours. You can control what you do with your experiences. And it is hard. So, I mean, no one's saying it. And you don't even have to. You can actually choose not to. And you're perfectly worthy. But it can be a very beautiful experience to commit to it and to watch yourself grow and watch yourself expand and watch the wisdom within you reveal itself and bring peace with it to some degree, at least that's, that's worth something to experience. Should you want to? Absolutely. Thank you for, for sharing that last piece, because I do think that sometimes there can be this sense, especially I've noticed with clients or people that are into self growth or mental health, that they're, they are still holding on to the right or wrong or good or bad. And you just kind of highlighted, there is no right or wrong or good or bad. Like you, you know, you just said, you don't have to do this perfectly or the way that I do it or the way that Eckhart Tolle does it or the way that Dalai Lama, like you can be you in the process and you can choose to, um, sometimes peace out. I love that's such a welcoming, accepting and meet, meeting the people where they're at. Bye. And. And at the same time, I think it's important that we remember that our actions can affect other people, that while you don't have to do it, we are co-creating this world together, and your choice to do it does serve all of us, because the more healthy people that are walking around on this planet, the more people in touch with their inner knowing and their sense of being as at least... uh, more peaceful or, or I like to say as uh, knowing themselves as love internally, the more people that are doing that, that can change this co-creation that we're all making together. But yeah, I really appreciate all of your time. And I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to get to know you because I know that, you know, we see your face on the website and, and so now to get to um, hear a little bit more about you and who you are and the, the work and, Um, truth that you bring to the world. It's really special. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And this has been really, really, really wonderful. What an honor. Thank you. Knowledge, understanding, and paradigms around mental health. And it's brave to engage in these conversations. So thank you so much. And If you have any suggestions, ideas for topics, possibly guests that we can bring on to continue the conversation, please reach out to us. Uh, Our website again is www.academyimh.com. You can reach out there. You can also, I don't know, maybe like or subscribe or follow our podcast on any platform because that will help us get more I don't know. What is it? Coverage? I have no idea. I think it just helps it when the search engine, people are searching in the search engines. I don't know, but we heard that it's a good thing. So if you can, we'd really appreciate it. 
All right. Take good care. Peace.